Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hi, it's Allison. Welcome back to the podcast. I am super excited about my interview today. I'm introducing you to my friend Robert, who I just met, I don't know, maybe six weeks ago. We were at the NASAP conference together. And I, you know when people just strike it off and you just know you're going to be in someone's life for the rest of their life? Well, that was Robert. So let me give you the official introduction and then I'll get you to, to meet him here on our podcast. So it's Robert and he is from the lakeside city of Kisumu in Kenya. And he's going to correct me on my pronunciations when we're done here, but hopefully I haven't ruined that too badly. He's been there for the last 10 years and well for longer, but for the last 10 years, Robert has taught in primary schools in the slums, urban and rural areas. Before moving to the UK for studies, he was teaching in high school. As an advocate for the rights of children, Robert works with students, parents, teachers, and other stakeholders to ensure that schools are safe and children can learn without fear. His Majesty the President Uhuru Kenyatta bequeathed to him the prestigious Head of State's commendation for leading teachers in Kenya to be child protection agents. He is a current Chevenier scholar studying MA in International Education and Development at the University of Sussex, UK. Robert is a certified positive discipline classroom educator, which is one of our big Illyrian brands, and he's also a parent coach. He serves as an international advisor at Positive Discipline Association. And since he was certified as an educator in Kenya in 2021, over the lockdown period, Robert has done a tremendous job at spreading positive discipline in Kenya. As part of the founding members of the Beacon Teachers Africa Beta, that's the short form for Beacon Teacher Africa, um, a teacher-led organization that campaigns for rights of children, Robert has used his passion for safe schools to coordinate the activities of the organization from its inception. He was at the forefront of a Beacon Teachers Africa-led initiative to train over 10 
thousand teachers in Kenya to become agents of child protection during the COVID-19 lockdown via Zoom. Robert's also the founder of Precious Seeds Africa, a youth-led grassroots community-based organization that champions youth empowerment and child rights. Robert, welcome to the podcast. That was a long one. Thank you so much. I'm sorry you're so accomplished that I had to take a good five minutes to tell everybody how amazing you are (laughs) and what great work you are doing for the world. Oh my God. I was like, was that me? And That is you. That's your life, my friend. And I consider it a privilege to know you. And I'm so inspired by what you're doing and what you're up against. So I wanted to start the conversation by opening the eyes to people listening to this podcast. Although we have an international audience, I'm not really sure that the typical person listening to this podcast, the parents, would really understand what you have seen and witnessed on front lines with families and through the education system that uh, led you to be so motivated to bring about change. What, what, give us the, the, the state of the nation that, that is so distasteful to you. Thank you so much, Edison, for having me. It's such a privilege to uh, be in this podcast. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And uh, on to your first question. Um, uh, sometimes it's it, you, you, you kind of lost, lose count, sorry, of when you really got to start something. But I, I would say that uh, the drive for me to uh, speak out for the rights of children stems from my upbringing. Uh, having studied in a in a in a in a in a village school in Kenya, and uh, the amount of violence that personally I experienced as as a, as a, as, a, as a kid going to school, uh, ironically motivated me to be a teacher. So, uh, but when I came out of the teacher training college and and got into classroom, Ellison, uh, it is sad to say that I found myself using the tools that my teachers used on me. I was using the same tools on kids and I hated it. I was give us give us an like would you mind being descriptive and specific? Like, you know, what would be like a a misbehavior that you might have done that and what would be like a a teacher response to that? Yes. Um, Children like talking and they learn by communicating. So uh, for example, uh, if I made noise in, in class. The teacher would um, would basically beat me up. And these were strokes, best strokes of the cane. And the, it would be caned for reasons as, as, uh, as, as reasons like uh, uh, coming to school late, uh, failing in exam. So I, I would really try and get good grades so that I don't get caned. And, and the kind of caning was so severe, Alison, to mention. After doing an, a test, we would have teachers lining up in front of the classroom and we would pass from one teacher to the other, receiving stroke of the cane. And that was really dreadful. So many of my classmates dropped out of school. And the sad part of it is that when I became a teacher, those were the tools I drifted into, not because I was given other tools in school. So it's also the fact that I saw that in a teacher training college in Kenya, Teachers are not given tools to handle children's behavior. They're only taught how to go and teach content. So what else could I do? I could only use those tools. And the fellow teachers that I was with were also doing the same. And I kept asking myself, what can I do to change the situation? And yeah. I met positive discipline. 
So, so I, I, I hate to go into the deep, but what, I don't even know what a cane is here in, in Canada. Um, uh, people used to get what they call, you'd get the belt. Um, okay. you were, you were whacked with the belt or with a, um, a, a wooden paddle. So what's a, is a cane speci- like, what's a cane? A cane is a stick. A stick. Okay. This is a, a stick. Uh, that is made, it, it doesn't have to be special, but it is just a stick, a long stick. And it depends with the, with the, with the, with the, with the mood of the teacher. If the teacher is so worked up, they would beat you with a bigger stick. If they're less worked up, they would beat you with a smaller stick. But at the end of the day, it was, it was, it is basically a stick. Yeah. Right or right. Yeah. And, and would it be on your hands, on your legs? Where would they cane you? So you would be caned on your um, on your behind. That's on the buttocks. Yeah. But that was basically for boys. Uh, girls would be hit on the hands, and uh, if the teacher is so worked up, it you would be beaten on the on the back. So sometimes it would be any part of your body. Wow. Yeah. You know, in um, I want to hear about your journey to positive discipline, but I you know I want you to know that um, uh, in in Canada, it mm-hmm. is still, we still have legal corporal punishment in Canada, just so you know, that in, in 1989, the UN adopted, the, the General Assembly adopted something called the UN Convention for the Rights of the Child. Yeah. And they have been pushing to eradicate corporal punishment in countries around the world. And mm-hmm. it astounds me when I read the list of countries that are enlightened enough to eliminate corporal punishment and Canada still isn't that we think of ourselves as this in, you know, industrial educated culture. And just so you know, I mean, maybe caning is not, you know, the, 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 um, everyday occurrence in a school in Canada. We still haven't put policy behind it to say that it's, that it's not okay. Um, and so for you, you did notice that as a teacher, that that was the, you, you had a different situation because on the ground, caning was still what was happening at homes in classrooms, but 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 their policy was different. That's where you, t- tell me what's the policy in Kenya? Yeah, that's that's a very interesting scenario. Uh, looking at Canada and Kenya comparatively, because in Kenya actually corporal punishment was banned in the year two thousand and one. Um, so the government. Actually, I think they did this to be in line with the global uh, policy that you've just mentioned. That's the UN, uh, UNCRC. And uh, I think nobody believed in this legislation because in schools in Kenya, most schools, uh, caning is still alive. And... Uh, this is a real, real dilemma for teachers. And, and I would like to flag it off early, Alison, in this podcast, that we are not actually even blaming teachers. No. Oh, gosh. Yes. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for saying that loud and clear. Yeah. We are not blaming teachers. Teachers actually in Kenya, so to speak, and in most African countries are in a dilemma. They're in a professional dilemma because uh, the policy says different uh, thing from what Basically, everybody believes in a child would misbehave on Friday in school at home, and the parent would drag this child on Monday for you to beat them up as a teacher. This basically shows that the society, the community believes in caning, and the teacher 
is seen to be even more proficient or like is 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 a professional at doing this and oh, that's very interesting so we here we would have said we used to have the expression wait till your father gets home so if you did something bad at school when your dad came home he would administer the spanking and what you're saying is the parents would take the child to the school and say wait till your teacher gets a hold of you and then the expectation was the teacher would administer the caning oh my gosh that's yeah, yeah that's a moral dilemma if you're a teacher and you don't believe in it that is a moral dilemma. And, and I think what you've said has actually reminded me about relationships in Africa. They are more hierarchical. Uh, like the man uh, is at the top and then the female is, is slightly <laughs> below that. They say it's, it's actually, I think it's, 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 it has a connection with the, with the Christianity and all that because the, the, the woman is referred to as the neck. But that one out of the way is that the hierarchical kind of relationship has been duplicated to school because teachers are seen as uh, authority figures and uh, leaving the cane has actually not been easy because if you stop caning, then you are seen not uh, to be a legitimate teacher. And, and that's why I really, really had a hard time when I dropped the cane. I had opposition from my fellow teachers uh, when the children I was teaching felt that I was not being serious at, at, at in the beginning, they were a bit skeptical. They were like, is he sure that he's no longer going to gain us? And then the parents also demanded for it. But I, I think uh, just to get back to your question on how I, I got to, um, to, to, to be in contact with a positive discipline. Yeah. Is the fact, yeah. Is, uh, there was a, now when we when I became when I decided to drop the cane, I became an advocate for for child rights, and I was moving from one school to the other and talking to teachers that hey, it is not right to say that uh, there is a mantra that goes around that an African child cannot learn without the cane, which is actually a myth. And uh, I would ask teachers to drop the cane, but they would ask us, Robert, what you're saying is true, but how do we teach without the cane? What are you giving us? And at that point, Ellison, I would, I would, I would, I would blabber because I didn't have this tool. So one day, I actually got fixed when I was invited to a radio station when they had all the advocacy work that I had been doing, and they said, "Hey, Robert, um, we've heard that you're going to school, telling schools, telling teachers not to beat kids, and teachers are still doing it. It is also against the law. So would you find time to come and explain to us why your colleagues—that's how they framed it—why your colleagues are beating kids?" And uh, I, I, I felt I had been caught, like I had been found between a rock and a hard place. And this is when I went online and I tried doing different searches on, I, I put alternative to caning and I was trying to look for all these things that I could say in the, in the radio station. And uh, I would say this is, was an inspiration from heaven because I stumbled on positive discipline of Connecticut. That uh, that is by um, Carol Doris. Yes, Carol. Yes, yes. <laughs> and she was note to so self: I have to have her on the podcast too. I'm writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, when 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 I reached out to Carol and I told her, "Hey, this is my situation, and I'm looking for uh, alternative tools to beating kids," and she was kind enough to uh, have this back and forth communication with me, gave me some tools which I went with to, 
uh, uh, the radio station. And, and Ellison, I would say uh, from that point onwards, uh, my life has changed. Positive discipline has not only transformed my classroom, it has helped me transform uh, the lives of teachers that I've come into contact with and miraculously enough, even my family. You know, it's uh, that just like warms my heart. Uh, like I just can't, I just can't say because now you are, you, you, it, one person meets another person and then you take this message and then you amplify it. You teach, you train, you advocate, you're doing so much. I mean, 10,000 uh, teachers on zoom calls over the pandemic. I mean, I really want to empower parents to realize like it, one person can have a huge impact, a huge ripple effect. And, and you're just creating a tidal wave of positivity in Kenya. I, I wish we could keep that enthusiasm up here. We've gotten a bit complacent because we're not really up against caning. We're, we're kind of just up against, you know, poor teacher training. I, I, I think the I think the the uh, the swing, the severity is is part of what makes it so, so appealing. But did you find did you find other theories when you were doing your research? Like what made this one stand out for you? Because I know you're an, you're an educated guy getting to trying to f get an answer and you were not going to leave any rock unturned. So what stood out for you? What was the distinguishing differentiator of positive discipline from some of the other stuff that you were finding online? Uh, true, true. That question is, is actually, you've touched to the core of it because this positive discipline, which is based on Adlerian principle, was actually addressing me directly as the teacher. You see, other tools would, would, would just address the issue of keeping children safe from a distance. But this, maybe that's how I see it, but it, it was like I was immersed into it. Because when you talked for, uh, about something like uh, uh, significance and, and belonging, I need it. I need it as a human. I need it as a father. I need it as a teacher. I need it. So it, it helped me to even see things from the perspective of the child. Remember, positive discipline training is hugely experiential. Yes. So you see things from the other side and, and it kind of melts you down. Because I think there's a friend of mine who says that... Uh, uh, being an adult is a scam. And, and whenever somebody becomes an adult, you, you kind of get yourself into this bubble where you think you're always right and you can never make a mistake and children are always wrong. But this is something that I've even heard from teachers that uh, we've worked with in positive discipline in Kenya. They're like, this tool, Robert, changed my life. And I think that's why I just got sold into positive discipline because it spoke to me even before it's, it spoke to what really mattered to me, which was the safety of children in classes. Yeah. So as you're, as you're taking this message back to Kenya, how are they receiving it? Are you getting, what, what's, what's the pushback? Like how much is getting adopted? How much are you having to like, do they think you're the snake oil salesman or, or, or are you, are you like the next, the next Messiah bringing the answers? You know, how, how is it being received? It's never that easy. I wish it was, <laughs> Alison. <laughs> <I know. laughs> you know, sometimes you're like, this is the answer. How comes people can't see this, you know? 
But the dilemma that I'm facing with all these wonder tools that I'm having is that there is that aspect of skepticism, not from everybody, but there are people who are like, uh uh-uh, Robert, those are Western ideologies and they are not gonna work here. So uh, uh, for me, what has worked greatly for me is leaving them, leaving the tools. And and I've even received feedback uh, from teachers who have been trained. They, they, they are not, some are not really getting a full buy-in, but the report that I'm getting is that they have decided to actually implement them in their own classrooms. And uh, the classrooms have been revolutionized. So we even have children moving from other classrooms to come and see what's happening through the window of this class with a positive discipline teacher. And stories that we've had uh, other teachers now coming in to ask, hey, can you share that tool with us? Because we want to also make our classroom as, in, as interactive as yours. So uh, it's that ripple effect that you mentioned, that one person at a time, one classroom at a time, the resistance definitely has to be there, but we are covering and gaining ground and, and, and teachers are saying these tools saved my life. For me, that is the biggest thing because a, a teacher who is calm, because uh, in, 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 in Adlerian principle, positive discipline, we also talk about uh, the mirror neurons. If, if the teacher is not uh, emotionally uh, settled, then the class will not be emotionally settled. If there is a small misbehavior, and, 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 and the teacher blows it out of proportion. There's no learning that will take place. So if these tools are fast saving the lives of our teachers, I think this is the best thing that has ever happened in the educational system. Yeah, proof. Yeah, proofs in the it works. I keep saying to people like, just do it. It works. I don't know. That's why. That's why we have a winning solution because it actually works. Go try it. You know. Um, but ha- did you have hurdles? Like, I know I, I have a hard time working with the school boards here because um, they want they. You know, it's got to be evidence based, and if nobody else is doing it, and that seems kind of new and novel, and we're kind of stuck in tradition. So you really had to like go out and sell this for them to even experiment with it. How did you pitch it? How did you get it through? I wouldn't say it has received an overwhelming buy-in. The approach that we adopted with the Beacon Teachers Africa basically is to work with the teachers directly. So uh, positive discipline, as we speak currently, has not been adopted by the government uh, wholesomely. That is our prayer. And, and, and I want to tell you, I'm praying every day that that one happens. And actually, I'm starting my research here at the University of Sussex and and I have decided to write my dissertation around that because if I come up with, with a powerful paper supported by, by my lecturers here, then I, I, I could have a, a way of getting into the Kenyan space and having these conversations over there. But basically Beacon Teachers Africa and I, what we've been doing is getting straight to our members because Beacon Teachers Africa is a registered NGO of these are these are teacher-led organizations, just as you had said, that advocates for the rights of children. So what we have is teachers implementing uh, these tools in their classrooms, and we also have um, head teachers. We also have school principals in the organization. So some of them are also uh, implementing these tools in their schools, and uh, small bit by bit, we are, we are covering that ground. But we're already having conversations of seeing a way of, um, of, of, of having this 
part of the policy uh, agenda for for the country because it's 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 appalling to have all these years and uh, corporal punishment being banned and the government has not made deliberate efforts to put the tools in the hands of the teachers. They just feel like they're on their own. They feel like the kids will attack them. Uh, after COVID, we had cases of, of children actually attacking teachers. They were, it was bad. It, it, it's because the teachers were under pressure. The children had also gone under a lot of pressure and, and the teachers still wanted to be high-handed. The children could not take it anymore. And we had cases of children actually attacking teachers. And teachers were like, hey, it's because we were denied the cane. So I think it's it's a better time to have this conversation and have positive discipline uh, actually domesticated uh, in, in our system. But yeah. I'm happy, Alison, to report that uh, we are having uh, government officers uh, uh, actually joining Beacon Teachers Africa and, and actually supporting the work that Beacon Teachers are doing. Oh, that's so that's so encouraging for teachers. And you know what I love too, Robert, about what you're doing is that you're the 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 size of the problem requires all stakeholders to make a to have an investment in change. And what you're saying is that you've not only got from a grassroots the, you know, the teachers at, you know, at the bottom, but you're going for the policy people that even though they've got it in writing, they're not really doing anything about it. And so you're, you're, you're addressing it at all, at all those different levels. And I, I think that is the, I think that's very strategic, very strategic. Yeah. Thank you so much, Alison. That, that's, that, that's at least it's, it's not changing the whole uh, system. It's not changing the whole country. But we have case studies, we have uh, examples of where it is working and, and we have cases of schools that had adopted uh, positive discipline reporting and saying, hey, we are having an improvement in, in enrollment in our school. Hey, we are having uh, children who are dropped out because the school was so unfriendly coming, actually walking back to school and they're like, we now want to learn because we feel the school environment ha has changed. We even have children who are now closer to these teachers and they can even report cases of violence at home. Sorry to say we have cases of even uh, sexual violence against some children. This only needs trust for a child to open up. And um, because we've received cases of schools that adopted positive discipline, where children now feel safe to even report cases about other children and 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 beacon teachers have jumped in and helped these children to get uh help with the police. so isn't that so interesting that you started the conversation with the parents dropping the kid off to get the parent to cane them and now the teacher is actually a safe adult figure that can provide protection for a child which is is still a role of of you know that that worry that well, if we don't have the cane, how are we going to have authority? Mm -hmm. and, and yet, oh my gosh, there's a lot of authority in saying I'm the watchdog to make sure that you're treated well, you know, and, and a, a lot of what you've cared about is that idea of love over hate, like how we, how we turn this boat around. So, so, so say something, how do we let people really get the message that you can be effective without being violent? <laughs> it's, it's like, it seems that's really the theme, right? That's, that's the theme, Ellison, because uh, uh, in a society where uh, relationships are hierarchical, where people believe in uh, foes and all that, we say violence begets violence. And uh, 
it's, it's actually a vicious cycle of violence because look at my case. I was a teacher who went through the schooling system in Kenya through violence. When I came into this teaching uh, career, I, I started using violence because that's the only thing I knew. So if a robot and another Ellison don't step in the, in the gap, then the cycle of violence will never be broken. So we are showing children that we can have uh, peaceful classrooms and, and learning still takes place. Um, and, and, and maybe what has escalated the violence is uh, parenting or teaching from uh, the position of fear, where we are looking at children as, uh, as, as dangerous people who, who, who do not really know what they are doing and uh, they have to be controlled, you know, but the mind develops and a lot of learning takes place when the mind is calm. So love and calmness uh, really provides an environment where learning can really, really take place. And I, I think that's the message that we need to put out there, the message of love. I think that's kind of important too, if you're saying that part of the history of this was around some old religious tenants um, you know, spare the rods, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child or some of these yeah. interpretations of these old texts. But some of those old texts also from a spiritual point of view said, you know, love is love is love is love is love. It's also one of the main tenets. And we just need to help them kind of get over that hurdle psychologically that, you know, kids who feel good do good and kids who aren't in fear absorb information better and, um, that's a really new way to look at some of those old texts, right? That's it. Ellison, I love what you said. And you've just reminded me of what Jen Nelson says, that uh, where did we get this crazy idea that uh, for kids to behave well, we must make them feel worse, you know? It, it, it's actually outrageous. And uh, we've also met people who are using the religious books uh, to, to support violence. That that's not the message of, 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 of Christianity. That's not the message of Islam. The message of, of, of religion, of, of Christianity is that of love. And as you've said, that's the message, that, that's the overarching message. And um, we, that's, that's what we need to take out there. And, and sometimes when people use a religion to distort uh, the actual message that was supposed to be preached, then it, 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 gets, it gets really troubling. Yeah. Yeah. So I, what can we do? And this is part of why I wanted you like on the podcast, because you're doing all this work. Like you're like, you are one man lifting so many mountains. And I just really want you to like feel connected to the Adlerian community, to the resources. Like we all want to help you. We, we, we all want Canada and the United States and the other countries that are listening to this to, to be as, you know, energized and, and, feeling a mission-driven need to do our part to make this better for kids uh, and that you are breaking a cycle of violence, that you are, you are changing the cultural norms. And we want to gather around you and be as supportive as possible. And we want to be inspired by you. So how do we work together? How do we help you? How do we keep the conversation going amongst us worldwide? So this becomes like a worldwide movement and we're all part of moving the boulder. I feel so energized at this moment, having heard you say that, because to feel that there is somebody who has your back, Ellison, is, is really, really um, energizing. Uh, the, the mantra for Beacon Teachers Africa is, uh, is passion powers action. So- Passion powers action, I love it. 
<laughs> so we are talking about a, a group of teachers who have gone all out to make sure that uh, children are safe to learn. And uh, these teachers have used their resources. These teachers have gone out of their way, Alison. If, if I start telling you about incidences where uh, just the other day I was getting uh, an incident uh, from um, a Beacon teacher called Jennifer. And, and Jennifer had gotten tip off because the word Beacon actually means a, a point of reference. Beacon is a lighthouse. Uh, a beacon is 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 a, is a is, it's a it's like the outstanding person in the community. So the beacon teacher had gotten tip off about a family that was actually living in a valley somewhere in Kenya, and with five kids, and they were not even going to school. And this teacher walked down the valley and uh, actually found a family that was really impoverished, and and brought them out. And, uh, and used her resources to actually take even one of the children who was sick to hospital. And with no time, the media took up this story and uh, they've gotten somebody to help them. So that is just one of the cases where Beacon teachers have actually gone out of their way. Uh, another incident is, is, is of a uh, child called uh, uh, Kevin. I'm going to hide his name for the sake of, of his I would say privacy. This child was actually um, beaten by his fellow uh, students. And this, this, what happened uh, in this case was a teacher actually asked kids to beat this specific uh, student because corporal punishment is banned. So this teacher never wanted to have her hand meddled in this. But because this child, uh, took more food than I expected. That was the mistake that this child did. Uh, the other kids rained on him. And uh, it's a sad thing to mention that this child got beaten so badly that he had his uh, kidney actually uh, like going, like not functioning at all. He had to go through a dialysis. And it's the beacon teachers who actually took up this case, they uh, took uh, Kevin to hospital, they walked with him, they did fundraising, and today Kevin is back to school. This is a, a wonderful story of a group of teachers who uh, just want to do something uh, for their community. And back to your question on how they can be supported. I think what one thing that I would say they need, Ellison, is, is psychosocial support. We talk about teachers who are all out uh, for children, but these teachers have just mentioned just a, a few cases, but these teachers handle so many cases. These teachers uh, do contributions to assist children. So one is uh, just having psychosocial support uh, uh, meeting. If, if, if we could get maybe somebody to organize a debriefing uh, session for them so that their mental health can be can, can just be helped in terms of just telling them we are here for you and we know the work that you are doing and all that. Uh, other than that, I would also call out for more support in ensuring that the positive discipline tools are, are, are spread to more teachers. Uh, Beacon Teachers Africa already has its, its center calls in uh, Uganda and uh, Nigeria and, 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 and Tanzania. So, uh, it's 
it's it's starting in Kenya, but already we have the ripple effect going out in, in Africa. So we have the big agenda of really squashing and demystifying this myth that, that an African child cannot learn without uh, corporal punishment. Because Ellison, from my studies here, I've learned that some of these sayings are actually embedded on colonial legacies, you know? They are, they are, they are things that happened those days, but they, they are still replicated as much as they are things that we are supposed to really, really get out with and get the children of, 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 of our world getting an education. So getting support for more teachers to be trained. I, I want to appreciate Positive Discipline Association because they've done uh, a lot of work in trying to uh, have teachers get trained, uh, giving scholarships to teachers to get trained. And basically this has happened online, but at, as things open up with the, with the, with the COVID restrictions being uh, loosened, I'm looking forward to having more teachers uh, participating in in-person in uh, experiential trainings. These trainings are life-changing. It, 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 it makes me happy to see what they do in the life of the family. And this is the only program I would say that actually looks at uh, the teacher and also the parents because we have positive discipline uh, for parents. So we are having parents who are getting empowered to know that violence is, is not right. And then when the child goes to the school, they find a teacher who also believes that violence is not the only way of solving problems. So unlike the, 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 the policies and the laws, I don't think they'll get us anywhere. It, you were saying in Canada, the, the laws are not there, but I think even in Kenya with the laws and without giving teachers the tools, we won't have the change that we want. So I, I would say more training, more psychosocial support for, for teachers. And, and actually, maybe to just add one, is, uh, is just having um, these teachers connected. I was just thinking of an idea in which we can have um, IT support for these teachers because the government has not placed enough systems to have enough child protection officers. For example, in one county, which has over 300,000 people, have only one uh, children's officer. But, oh. but with Beacon teachers, these are people who are with the children every day. Actually, the teacher spends most times with the child. So if these teachers are empowered, then uh, we are, they are given the right tools in, in terms of technology, then they'll be able to report cases, uh, share issues and get connected and, and, and children will be safer, Alison. Well, listen, if, if you ever have like a GoFundMe page or if you need to zoom in someone for a pep talk at a at a beta Beacon Teacher Association meeting, sign me up. I, I am there for you and I will get the word out to my people. Those sort of specific instructions of calls to action that people can do to give their part to give back. Like I will amplify that through every channel that I have at my resource. I swear. I love what you're doing. Do you have final words for parents? I'm going to make sure there's links to everything that you sent me up on, on the, in the show notes, but any final words? Um, I just want to appreciate everybody who listens to this podcast i have now become a huge fan of this podcast and uh, if i told you, you've been listening to this podcast and you've not invited two more people please uh, that would be my challenge to you uh, secondly i want to thank you for listening up to this point 
that alone shows that uh, you are part of the global change that we want and, and to make this world a better place for our children. And thank you so much for the support that you're giving to this podcast. And uh, I want to say that love will change this world. It is the love that we give out that will change this world. There are so many challenges in Ukraine and the COVID-19 and things that are not working out. But thanks to technology, we can still network as Alison has made us uh, doing this podcast and, and, and touch a life in Kenya and touch a life in Canada and touch a life in South America, in China and all over uh, where you're listening to this podcast. And thank you so much, Alison, for having me. My greatest love and respect for you and, and your ambitious goals. And don't don't ever get discouraged or back down. You know, we, we will link arms and get this done together. We will heal. We will heal the world with love together and children come first. God bless you. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast. So thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.